So, first of all, um, I'll let the panel introduce themselves. If you could tell us what your role is on the undateables, and also we'll do a bit of a top trumps to see who's worked on the most series. So let's start over <laughs> this end. My name's Ian, I'm the executive producer of Series 7 and Series 8 of the Undateables. Hi, Sophia, I'm the casting producer on Series 7 and Series 8 of the Undateables, but I've also worked on Series 5 and a bit of 6 as well. And I'm Lucy Devega, I'm the commissioned editor for Undateables. I was series producer on Series 1. Okay, so, well, we should ask you then, Lucy, mm -hmm. tell us about the success that is the Undateables and how it all came about from the very beginning. Mm -hmm. So I uh, came on as series producer at the very, very beginning. Um, the development had already been done, so it had been commissioned, so I wasn't involved in the development. Um, from the very outset, it was called the undateables it was unashamedly so because it's sort of it has it's about the labels that society can put on people um and uh, clearly we they weren't they weren't channel four's labels it was sort of, kind of ironic uh, it also had kind of uh, a, a tinge of sort of superheroes the undateables the invincibles that kind of feel um when i came on the bin there was like a casting tape and that was it and it was no one really sure what the series was or how it might work and was there going to be a constructed dating agency? Was it going to be in a set? Was it going to be like a feature show? It was all kind of up for grabs. So um, myself and the team and, and, and the commissioner at Channel 4, Liam Humphreys, uh, worked together to kind of shape it. So do we know where that initial gem of an idea came from? What, yeah. Because we all know that programmes don't end up anything like the actual idea that's pitched in mm -hmm. a room. So do we know where that's So there was a single doc called Truly Madly Deeply that Betty had made, um, probably must have been, I can't remember what year, anyway, probably about 2005, 2006, which was about a date agency which had just been set up called Stars in the Sky, which was run by Lydia, who's become a feature on the Undateables as a matchmaker, and also two ladies with learning disabilities called Lolita and Pauline. So there had been a doc, quite obs about about that agency and I think the idea was what if it was extended to all sorts of conditions and opened up and we could cast into it as well because it's fact tent. And so did that come from the producers to do that um, or was so that something that was already ha about to happen with the agency? No, it wasn't about to happen. So Walter Utsalino, who had been a commissioner at Channel 4 and was at the time uh, one of the creative directors at Betty, was going through the Betty Back catalogue thinking, okay, how can, how can we get more out of this? And he spotted this thing and he thought, what if, what if it became a series? So that's kind of how it came about. And it's, and it's a way of opening up to all sorts of conditions as well, not just autism or learning disability. So Phil, we'll come to you in a second because okay. we want to talk about casting and I'm sure yes. everyone will agree um, <laughs> that the casting on this show is superb and the characters... Thanks are so likeable and, and uh, have so much to say and um, we return, we're able to return to them, which is brilliant. But we'll come to that in a minute. I just want to ask Lucy, who was there from the beginning, tell us about, I want to know about what it was like to cast from the beginning and also with the name Undateables, I know that got into the press a lot. I remember driving along in my car listening to Radio 5. There was a massive debate about 
whether it, should, it was fair to be called the undateable. So just tell us a little bit about that. I mean, that was from the outset, because we owned it from the outset. So the first casting call-out said undateable, and from then on, sort of, you know, a year practically before it actually was broadcast, there was already a furore, which also gave you a sign that it was obviously something that needed to be talked about as well, which gave us hope, but equally a nightmare when you're series producing it, and you're like, oh my god, how will anyone go on it? The very first, so none of the people on the development tape actually um, were uh, made on, this, on the first series. Um, we did <coughs> get Ruth, who was uh, ended up on series three uh, later, so it was like, right, blank slate. Um, week one, we found Richards and Muscle Richards, who uh, was amazing. Like, oh, this is this might be all right. This might be quite easy. Found him in week one. Then it was like three months with no one, um, which was a little bit like okay. So it was very much about you know making the team feel like this is a marathon and not a sprint because we will get there. We believe in it. Um, but I think it's for me. As soon as you see someone that you fall in love with, then the viewer want them to find love, and that's always my test on, on every contributor. And Tom, for instance, is quite a good example because I think I think, I think it's series five that he was featured in, and the team at the time, someone had dropped out. They were like, right, we need to film someone. Uh, there's this guy or this guy. And they were angling for the other guy, actually. And I was like, Tom, no. <laughs> Everyone's going to fall in love with Tom. And they're like, oh, you know, but he's not necessarily as, as obvious, his condition. I was like, but he is, and his vulnerability and, and everything about him makes you care. Mm -hmm. So that's, for me, is always a test. So it's about finding people that you care about. Finding people that you follow. I mean, it's true for every programme, but particularly this one. You want, to love, you, you want them to find love because you love them. And was there ever a point on that first series that you thought that, that it was a mistake to have that title? Or did you, like you said... It, felt you could embrace it the whole way I don't think we, I ever thought it was a mistake, I just knew it was an additional challenge and people didn't have anything to, to look at to know what it, the tone would be. Mm. So I always knew what we wanted it to be, which was heartfelt and warm and, and sweet. Um, but there was obviously a sort of cynicism that was it setting people up to fail. And actually, you know, I understand that because you have nothing to refer to. And in it's Subsequent series have had different challenges casting, but at least there was something to show. So um, I think it was just about keeping keeping the faith. And a few months in, we had a, I had a conversation with uh, the head of Tourette's Action, and she was very anti. So it's a big uh, kind of campaigning group for Tourette's, and she was very anti the title. But she kind of understood, and we'd had lots of chats, and she understood that we were coming from a very good place. Uh, and she said, well, can, we, can, the, um, can something happen to the um to make them undateable? Can we have a question mark? There was all sorts of conversations. Actually, then together we thought, what if the un falls off? So the graphics guy at Betty came up with that design. Um, and, and it just, the graphics says it all, basically. Yeah. Oh, right, so, so that was quite way on the process. Yeah, well, it, was, it was a bit like, what we're going to do to get people to understand what <coughs> our motivation is. And so, Sophia, tell us about what it's like to cast series. We've got series seven's been on, is that right? Seven? Yeah, seven's happened. Eight to come and nine to come. So what challenges does that present? Well, and how do you keep doing it? How do you keep coming up with some great characters? Oh, wow, how do we keep doing it? Um, to be honest... The casting approach on Undateables is completely different to any other show I've ever cast before um, because you need certain sensibilities to work on it. Um, I've worked on first dates quite a lot and so casting on something like Undateables is completely different because of the title, 
because it's quite provocative, um, you need to be more careful in approaching uh, people to be on the show. So we don't ever directly target people to be on the show. So say on something like first dates, you would send a message on social media to someone who had like an article that was interesting, had an interesting story, which is something we do on uh, Undateables. But instead of saying, you know, are you single? Would you be interested? Which you do on first dates. We kind of have to put the ball in their court. So we're never directly asking them that question. So we would, you know, approach it in a sense that, first of all, they have to be in the public domain in some way. So they have to be a blogger or a vlogger or have an article. Um, so there must be a reason for us approaching them for the show. Um, and then... Uh, how we message um, is to sort of kind of ask them to help us with the outreach. So they might have a specific condition or disability and they might be in that community, which means that, you know, they potentially can put people forward. So that's the message that we put across to them. Could you help spread the word? We're looking for single people. So we're never assuming that they are single because they've got a disability or a condition. So it's through conversation. It's exactly. through speaking to people in different groups and through conversation and finding out more about them as to whether they'd be interested in taking part. Is that right? Well, we don't ever directly ask if they want to take part. Yeah. So we would uh, ask if they will help us spread the word in their communities, um, if they might know someone who has a similar condition that is single, um, and then from there... You know, it's down to them. You know, the ball is in their court then, and they can then come back to us and say, actually, you know what, I'm single. I'm looking for love. I struggle. I sometimes feel like I am undateable. And then, you know, then that spurs on a conversation where we take it to the next step and have a phone conversation with them and um, Skype them and do initial filming with them and... If we love them and they've got a powerful story or they're an incredible character, I mean, what we always say, what I always say to the team is that the disability and the condition is secondary to, um, to the character or the story. You know, it's never, it's, that is not the main focus for us, you know. And I think that's what keeps us um, getting those really lovable people on the show and finding those incredible characters because the disability and inclusion isn't the focus. It's, you know, like for uh, Reese, for example, I think we're going to watch yeah. a clip of him. Uh, just from the initial uh, <coughs> Skype conversation with him, we were all just, we all fell in love with him, you know, and he's this massive James Bond fan. Um, and it wasn't about his autism actually but that is the reason that in his words he struggles to find a girlfriend you know so um we've got that side of things yeah what about their matches how so lucy talked a bit about the fact that and i remember very clearly in the first series that there was definitely more emphasis on this dating agency and the chaperones were there and so you felt like this is something that they're setting up but what happens now how are the dates found so we do still have um, two on-screen dating experts, Christine and Lydia, who we love very much, um, who give us uh, incredible advice in the matchmaking process. And they always have final sign-off on every one that we put forward. Um, and they've got years and years of experience of matching people with disabilities and autism and uh, learning disabilities. 
Uh, so their, their advice is invaluable. Um, and sometimes they do give us options. You know, we'll always go to them first. But because on this show it's so important to find a love match, which we really pride ourselves on looking for, uh, they don't always have them on their books. So they don't always know of someone. So then we basically go to our casting resources, which is my lovely casting team, who are incredible, um, and they look for people with similar interests and hobbies. Um, so, say, Ian, um, who had a visual impairment, Series 6, he was a photographer and he wanted a sort of a creative, arty girl, so we'd go out and look for go to art galleries and exhibitions and art colleges and find someone with similar interests and kind so of go along that way. So between this and first dates, so you spend a lot of your time matchmaking then? Yes. You're like the Scylla of TV. Yeah, <laughs> I am, but I am single, so everything I'm doing is something right for the nation, not so not for me. <laughs> Ian, your turn. <laughs> so, <laughs> when I was doing my uh, undated rules research, I went straight to Cosmopolitan magazine, and uh, <laughs> in the top ten of things you didn't know about uh, the undatables, number one was that it takes 11 months to make a show. True or false? Yeah, except we're doing it in record time this year, because this year we've got a series coming out in September, and we've got a series coming out in January, and a Christmas special. So actually, there's a lot going on this year. Uh, but it does take roughly that long, actually. And my worry, so I started on Series 7, and I'm a big believer in returning series, because I think you can always bring something to them. A lot of people who work in telly nowadays go, oh, I don't want to do Series 5 or something. But actually, I'm quite a believer in coming to it, because I think you can always bring something new to it. Um, and also, it's still a joy to work on. I mean, your Series 7 and 8, and you know, there's all, it's the most amazing series to work on for all sorts of reasons. Um, and my main worry was Series 7, how on earth are we going to find the people? So when I started, you found Reese actually, hadn't you? Yes. Do you remember? Yeah, we'd I, I can't remember how you found him. Can you he remember? applied for the show, actually, yeah. Quite a lot of people do apply. So when we ever, whenever we get any criticism for the series being called The Undateables, and there are people out there who genuinely do feel like they're undateable. Um, and my response to that, just going back a step, is always... It's not going to be called anything else on Channel 4. It's a provocative title, but I think what's really good about it is it does cause debate, which is what it's all about, I think. So people like Reese, I mean, they're just a dream, really, aren't they? We looked at yes. him, and we just thought he is exactly the sort of person that you sort of fall in love with. But in order to make it in that time, we have a very long production period, but in order to make it in that time, I think, I think what you do is very simple. You just employ the best people possible. <laughs> so Sophia is absolutely brilliant at casting and leading all her chickens to roost. <laughs> and sometimes, somehow I don't quite know how they do it. Because Series 7, you might think that the pot is starting to dry up. And actually, I'm not sure that it is, really. Uh, even looking towards Series 8. I mean, you know that, Lucy, don't you, from looking at it. There are still people out there who... It's finding them, that's what takes the time. So we have a very, very long casting period um, where these guys just literally go, um, okay, let's look. And, and then we say, no, we don't want that, we want this. It's really, really difficult. And for me, one of the main things is keeping the bar high. So Lucy's very good at that. What keeps it brilliant is actually having that level 
And Lucy, having done seven series before us, I'm a relative newcomer, I've only done one series, Sophia's done more. But actually just having that, that thing there, and Lucy knows in three or four seconds sometimes. How many yeah. does Lucy turn down? What proportion? Uh, we haven't bad this year, actually, haven't we, Lucy? Been good, but in yeah. previous series, it hasn't been so good. For all sorts of reasons, just who comes up, who applies, uh, different conditions, because often you can't have, with there's nine people, new people that we find for the series, they can't all have autism. So you've got to have a mix of, of, of different disabilities. So, but I'm, I'm convinced that it's that, that, that has brought us to series seven. It's having that, not letting anything go. We don't let anything go, actually. Um, and we're able to do that for two reasons. One is to support Betty, and then one is the support of Lucy and Channel 4, because they're totally behind us. So we go, basically, within reason, for as long as it takes the cast, and then we just go, how are we going to edit it? And somehow we just work it out at the end. But that is why we're in Series 7 and Series 8 and Series 9, I'm convinced. And just something that I meant to mention before, Sophia, is, or I meant to ask before, is how involved are the families in that process? Because it's not just about that one person who might, in some circumstances, not always, but they might be a little bit more vulnerable. Sometimes the families apply for them, don't they? Yeah, you get, they do. You get a mixture of things. So sometimes mums might go, they might put their son for or their daughter for it, which sometimes isn't such a good thing, sometimes it is. Also, it's case by case, really. You know, uh, some of the contributors that we have that are slightly more vulnerable, you know, their support network is really important to us right from the beginning. You know, their involvement is really important. Um, but we have, you know quite, well, an incredibly high level of duty of care on the Undateables, like no other show I've ever worked on, basically. Which we'll come to in a minute. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but also I think it's interesting because I, I don't know about everyone else, but I really enjoy seeing them with their families as yeah. well and the relationships there. Um, and especially like with Richard and his mum and that relationship. And, and also the what the parents want their sons and daughters and that they hope that you know finding love is what everything most mm. parents want for their children isn't mm. it that they'll be happy to find love. And there's times when for instance I think one recently we, we didn't proceed with one contributor because I think their mum really wanted it and the dad didn't yeah. and actually everyone has to be on board. Mm. It became more and more apparent in yeah. the so we more just we filmed them we had actually started filming and we realised that actually the mum wanted it more than the contributor did. And we, he was a great character, wasn't he? One of our all-time favourites. Yeah. And you have to just be brave and go, we call it holding our nerve, we just go, okay, we're going to stop now. And then we go, but we've still got four more people to find. And I go, yeah, fine, let's just get on with it. And then we, I always think, you look, you, you look at each week as you go along and then you go, we'll worry about that later. And we always get there, don't yeah. we? And it's a yeah. lot of work and a lot of late nights, but we do eventually get there. But I think it's interesting, you compare first dates in the database, which is sort of hundreds of thousands. And I think yeah. in this series, you've had, what, 260 people? Yeah, so, up, so it's first dates, 800, around 800,000 people on their, on their database now. We've got about... 200, so <laughs> <laughs> that will show you the comparison. But just going back to the filming process, mm. um, for, again, some of these people, are, um, some of your contributors uh, are a little bit more vulnerable, um, and so I imagine filming isn't a process that can be rushed. No. So how, what kind of time element are we talking about? How do you make it as comfortable as possible for your contributors, to make them feel as secure as possible. Mm. And actually, I think, Sophia, you mentioned, or, or maybe it was you, Ian, mentioned that um, quite a lot of the recce footage is often used as well. Yes. Yeah. 
Yeah. So basically, the way you start with all of that really is finding the right people to kick it off. So there's a big handover between the casting team and the filming team. So the casting, t- the casting members, they never really leave the contributor because if they want, uh, if they were, if they feel more comfortable having them on a date, then they will go on a date. So first of all, we keep our teams very small. So it's normally a PD and an AP team, and they shoot, they do sound and shoot as well. So it's kept very, very small because that gives you much more intimacy. So once that handover is done, we say we try and do it in about four weeks if we can. We try and we block out the PD's time. It never ever works like that for all sorts of reasons because sometimes finding a match to people. We really do look for love, and it's not a science, so we spend a lot of time trying to match these people to people that we think that they might fall in love. And sometimes, what's the wonder what the longest is, sometimes it can be some 12 weeks before you might find the right person, because we don't stop looking yeah. at the Or more. Yeah. Or more. Is it, is it more? It's probably more. Yeah. I think 12 weeks might have been our record on Series 7. But until you find that right person, the problem with the dates, if you like, if it is, there is such a thing as a problem, is that they aren't the ones who are undateable. So for them, it's, they're joining a show where someone does feel like they're undateable. So that's why it sometimes takes so long. Um, but there isn't a time limit, really. We say to the teams, you've got to go and do it. So if you're filming with someone, uh, it takes as long as it takes. So some of the contributors that we, that, we, that we have on, they just get tired really easily. So I reckon we film half the amount that we would normally do on a normal show. And I just, you, you have to just constantly support teams and go, it's fine, we'll go back tomorrow and pick up where we left off. Or we'll go back next week and do it. And they'll go, but the date, you know, they need to get the date done. And we just go, well, we'll just delay it. Because the most important thing, I think, is to support the contributors. Because they're the, the, you know, the, they're the people that you worry about. And in that, what you've got to look for in the PD and AP teams is what I call soft skills. And it's something that a lot of people don't talk about in TV. So I think TV people talk quite a lot about hard skills, which is, right, come on, we've got schedules stitched in, we've got to get it done, we get out and we film it, and I've got this set of questions that... And literally, I look, sometimes I look at the PD questions and laugh. Like, you're never, ever going to get through all of these things. That's something to aim for, which is good. Um, but I very much tell them to go out and just go, just almost say to them, look, get what you can. And then you, work, you almost work sort of backwards from that, really. And recce footage is often the freshest, so yes, I yeah. always go, can we go back to the recce, can we include that? Because actually it's when, and it's true of all programmes, but specifically on undateables, it's the yeah. first time that anyone's answered those questions, mm-hmm. and so you've worked really hard on making them re- as beautiful as possible, so that then yeah. We, yeah. we don't have to use slightly yeah. inferior footage. Yeah, weirdly more than any other show, they rarely say the same thing better than in the recce, don't they? Isn't mm. that right? It's really, yeah. I don't quite know why it is. Well, but I think it's the first time they're asked the question, they're not asked again by a researcher, and then again by the producer, then the director, and then go on and ask it again. It's a so. lot, because quite often you can ask people the same question and they answer it, but in this, the magic quite often is the first time you go and see them. So, you know, building your team, what you, so the casting team is even more important, because they're not only finding the people to be on the show, they're also going out and filming what actually ends up as, as what we call hit one, which is their introduction. So, and that actually happens quite by chance sometimes. So this series, we've got a junior researcher um, who came to the team, who came to Betty New actually, and then came from being a sort of general runner to being a researcher on the show. And he just shoots the most amazing recce, doesn't he? It's they? incredible. It is just incredible. And that's what I mean about finding the, the niche of your team, if you like. 
is that they sometimes come from areas that you don't think. And I'm always saying, why isn't Tom shooting this wrecking? Which is, it's, 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 it's a shame for the rest of the casting team because they don't always get to shoot them. But you've just <laughs> got to think that he has what I call these soft skills, which is just mm. gently going in, gently asking the questions, almost sort of getting the camera going before you even know you've got the camera going, realising when they need to stop. Towards the end of the edit, Lucy knows this, we were just talking about when Lucy was on series one. Quite often it's me and the series producer stuck in the edit until midnight looking through all the rushes. So I actually, I'm usually for an executive producer get to look at lots of the rushes. And I can't tell you how much admiration I have for the shooting teams. The way they handle the contributors is amazing, but that is why you get the magic. That's where all the magic happens, when you just keep going, keep going, keep going, and then stop, and then have another go, and then actually say, okay, we're not going to do any more today, we'll pick it up tomorrow, which is a very brave thing to do, because constantly you're pushing the schedule back, and back, and back, and back, and of course, at the minute, when did we deliver on Friday, I think? Yeah. We delivered show five, and Friday it goes out. No. It always has been, always has been Lucy, hasn't it? For all the combination of things, mainly because nobody gets through the door who we don't think is exactly right. We wait for the right people to come and film it. We wait for the right editors. And then, you know, there's a whole edit thing which we'll come to perhaps later as well, where, you know, we're all involved because we all want to say it. And that just takes an awful lot of time, which we sometimes don't have. But bravely, we always go, well, with everyone on the journey, from Tom, who's the junior researcher, to Lucy, is on that journey. So I'll still be sending cuts to Lucy at 11 o'clock at night Lucy will be watching them, which is, I have, mm. I think, unheard of in, in a commission actually. But it all, because we all love it so much, we just sort of do it. it just, yeah. It's never sort of a question, is it? We just yeah. sort of somehow do it. I watch cuts sometimes as a treat to cheer myself up. I'm like, oh, I might just or, watch that again. <laughs> <laughs> or Lucy's going, I'm in the back of a cab, but can you send it to me? Mm. Still not right. Okay, well, I'm not going. You know, that's <laughs> but that is that two-way street which really works. And I'm convinced is why we're still in Series 7, 8 and 9. And with a Christmas special. Um, yeah, that sounds very exciting. Can you tell? We'll come to that in a minute. Um, <laughs> I think we can talk about the edit. Um, okay. What I want to know is how I think key to the undateables above anything else is tone. Mm. So, how do you create something where we're kind of laughing with them, <coughs> we're with them on the journey and not laughing at them? Well, we don't always get that right, do we, Lucy? In the first class, and we work on it, and that's what it's all about. Mm. It's, again, it goes back to empathy and caring and being with them. So, from the very outset, it's always about who they are as people rather than their condition. Yeah. So it's always like who they are, what's their thing, how do what what will make us connect, and because I think again part of the reason I think we're in series seven currently is because it's a dating show that's universal, so we can all relate to a certain extent with messing up on a date or being silent or shy or whatever it may be and then the fact that they have a condition means that you learn something along the way as well but it's all about the universal aspect of it. So that's right, so Reese is someone, Reese is someone who's single who happens to have autism Mm -hmm. rather than an autistic person looking for love and you see the difference, it's quite subtle and actually a lot of the tone that we get is quite subtle. So we sort of keep Lucy away from the edit for quite a lot because Lucy's then got very clear eyes. And then what happens is we show her. And the main things that you come back with in the edit are make them, make them more universal, uh, caring. The main things is just about caring for them. 
and then obviously seeing what their what their issue is with dating, so making sure that that comes across. But like Lucy <laughs> says, it's a process, and actually we, I don't think actually we did because I think we might. I worked on another series for Discovery, which is a bit similar, and we edited it very similarly. Which is you edit all the stories, so we have various hits, what we call hits, and they're basically the process of the stories. So we edit all those, and then Lucy will have three viewings of those before we even start stitching the programme together. So we normally allow nine weeks per show, but that really often comes to about 12 a show. So again, this is where the investment needs to come from Channel 4 and from Betty, because that's much longer than you normally have um, to do it. But in crafting all those nuances, because quite often you'll notice, Lucy, it's all just it's quite small things about tone, isn't it? It's yeah. not really, it's all there, but somehow the balance is wrong, or the piece of sync is wrong. So, for example, I was doing something with Richard, and it was an end of part, and we always try and make the end of parts as big as possible. And literally, it took us six hours to find the right three lines from Richard to make the end of part work. And much to and fro with Lucy in the back of cabs, <laughs> watching it on your phone. Do you get in the back of cabs a lot? <laughs> just, uh, that, on that day, on that day, you were at a lot of meetings, weren't you? Okay. Like, oh, why don't we try this? We're going to put that there and put that there. Quite often, because of who they are, you don't get more than one chance at it. So this was seen of Richard waiting off his date at the end of the last uh, end of part three, show four. And they just, it, was, it was what they did, and of course they didn't do it properly, and you, you wouldn't ask them to do it again, but it's, even, it's made even more di difficult because of who they are. And it just, it's just that sort of care which makes it work, mm. that, that constant to and fro But when you get it right, it's absolutely euphoric. It's a great, it's a great feeling. So it's obviously a very well-cared-for show. What, um, I mean, to continue for this long, up until Series 7, we're on 8, 9, it, it's quite phenomenal really but how has it progressed how for someone who's come onto it later on how has it been for you and how how do you feel it's changed over that time well i just wanted to make it better obviously because that <laughs> makes series seven the best ever um so and that can come in all sorts of ways so it can be i, I always think the characters i mean i remember watching series six and thinking that the characters sam postman sam just amazing um, uh, I always thought how are we going to better it so part of my thing is just trying to find bigger and better characters really and then we work this time on how we might shoot it more differently so try and shoot it uh, in perhaps get a bit more observation there's all sorts of quite subtle changes that you can make along the way and I think if you, the series always evolves if you look at series one compared to series seven you will notice it and it will be quite subtle and I think some people might say the undateables doesn't change, but actually I think it does, doesn't it? In all sorts of ways. Yeah, I think it's the, how much the agents here in it, the hand of the producer, how much, you know, the balance of conditions, all sorts of things that actually, and the music, how we evolved the music, whilst keeping a sort of base of recognisable brand, on-brand tracks as well. So it's a real combination. Mm. And one person that's been there along the way is Richard, who you've been talking about a lot. Let's see Richard in action. So um, that was Richard. So of course, you, I mean, looking at that clip, if you look at that clip, we had no idea how well it was going to go because there was quite a few things Richard normally likes when he's long hair. Yeah. We were really worried about that, weren't we? Yeah. That was one of his main things. But the main thing for him was 
that he wanted to date within a five mile radius of his house, <laughs> which he's famous for, and everyone wants him to come back for. Yeah. And actually, we found someone who is six, <laughs> and, a, six, six and, and a half. half. <laughs> <laughs> he actually, he did slightly complain about But it just goes to show that he, he, he was on show one, it's series one. Series one was the first ever contributor, and it's taken seven series, but we've finally done it. They're about to go oh. on his first ever third date, aren't they? Which yeah. is amazing. So well done, team. <laughs> <laughs> but then we just met Anna, and she applied to be on the show, didn't she? Yeah, she did. She applied to be a main uh, contributor on the show. And one of our uh, APs, who actually is our care bear, who I'll talk about um, in a bit, but um, she was like, another date had fallen through, and she was just going through the database, and she was like, this woman lives six and a half miles away from Richard. And we were like, oh my God, <laughs> Skype that woman immediately. <laughs> yeah. It just so happened that, you know, uh, Lydia watched him, our um, dating expert, and said they'd been a phenomenal match. And we obviously showed you. And yeah, we were just so delighted that we finally matched Richard and possibly found him love. So it's great. And Ian, you were saying that the incredible things about the dates, and I saw it there after you had said it, that the directors are very good at mm. is getting the moment. Tell us a little bit about that. Mm. You couldn't write that, what, what happened there. And I'm always mm. amazed when you get into the edit to look at the nuggets that the directors get, because they are absolutely golden nuggets. Don't they? When amazing. you see them, you just, you, you, even in the early cuts that you go, you can see that it's going to work, because you can see the sort of nuggets already shining through. But that is, you can just see how it's all, often it's quite simple, quite, quite open questions to try and get the people to talk about them. So what you do is you let the date run. So that was exactly, so that date was probably an hour, that chat was probably an hour, an hour and a half, something like that. You sort of let it run. Sometimes they might want a bit of help. You help them out a little bit. But as much as possible, you let the date run. And then after that, they will go and see some drafts. I don't know, some of you sort of go and see some drafts. And then he eventually says, do you want to meet again? He said, yes. So as much as possible, you let, you let them do what that, that was. That was what Richard wanted to do. He wanted to go to the zoo, which was outside of his radius. But that's what he wanted to do. Um, we did have a, do you remember, Lucy, at some stage, we had an idea that we were going to send Richard speed dating. There was oh, an yes. idea. Um, and then we found Alan and thought, actually, Alan was probably a better bet. But, so we thought we could, even though we weren't quite sure. It was something, as I say, it's not a science, so you can't always tell. I think what you have to look and try and take as many things as you can, and then think, well, perhaps the hair won't matter, that she hasn't got long hair, and that is one of the things that he really likes. Um, and actually, it doesn't. It didn't matter. Okay, well, so he's been around the Undateables Fund for quite some time. Let's talk a little bit about duty of care now. Mm -hmm. So a couple of things. Um, we have a uh, cast liaison person on the Undateables who is an invaluable member of the team who we call the Care Bear. Um, and in this case, it's uh, one of our APs. And she develops those relationships with all the previous cast members um, and the new cast members um, and she keeps in touch with them and gets updates with them and she that relationship is is very important because if they've ever got an issue or they're uncomfortable about something or they're excited about something you know sometimes they'll phone her and be like I'm going on a third date you know and that's where we get that information from because she has that relationship so uh, that's really important. So with Richard, you know, he does have a relationship with her and he will contact her and she phones him 
to organise things with him, but also touching on what you were talking about earlier with uh, family is so important. You know, that supporting cast is, you know, we take a lot of guidance from them um, in regards to what we film and, and what they'd be comfortable with. Um, and then duty of care in general, we also have an independent psychologist, Howie, who is, um, I mean, we take the lead from him on lots of decisions that we make involving the contributors. And he is there uh, before, during and after filming uh, for guidance. And he always speaks to them before filming. All of our previous contributors who we film again, he always speaks to them first to see where they are in their lives. You know, it might not be appropriate time to film them again. You know, and we take his guidance on that. And he's been on it since series one. So yeah. He really knows it. He knows them. He knows them. Well, I think it goes outside of that too. How many people are you still in touch with, Lucy? From a few of them. Yeah, yeah. you know, Lucy's still in touch with one that she worked with all those years ago, uh, and others actually along the way. Uh, you are too. Yeah. And also, you had a call from had one of the directors from one of the previous yeah. series. I yeah. can't remember the story. Yeah, so he just saw Richard. And he's like, oh, I love it because I mean, he actually still. He said, oh, I've just watched Richard's date. I'm so happy. He goes, I, I you know, was messaging him earlier this year, and I also took Ray out for lunch. So he, mm. you know, that all the directors and all the series have all been amazing, and they stay in touch. And I think that's so, it's so, it's about a personal touch, mm. isn't it? Yeah. And then you, you know, you are up and down the country having brownies with people's mums. It's hard life. You really invest, don't you? Yeah, it's massively. Like some, I hear from people that I work with series five they still text me you know if they're going on a date and you do have that relationship with them and it's really important and I've encouraged the casting team to do the same you know they all feel really passionate about their contributors and to that, me that yeah to me that's a, that's as important as our 80 odd page compliance bible which everyone has to read and work by <laughs> but I don't quite know how they do it but you know that's just as important to all that lovely aftercare and because you do, you do end up falling in bond with these people you care about them. You want to know what. Well, exactly, because I think a lot in casting. You know, we're very used to being researchers, APs, casters. We're very used to having to be someone's best friend for a very short period of mm -hmm. time, being there quite intensely while we're doing the filming, and then when that's done, you move on. But I imagine for a lot of these people, that would be quite difficult to say right bye. Mm -hmm. We're on to our next story yeah. now. So I imagine yeah. that's extremely important. That's why the team has been real continuity. You've, you know, you've done several series now, haven't you? Yeah. you and, and, and been promoted throughout because you're brilliant. Um, but also there's that continuity of, of people yeah. really helps you to Yeah. Um, let's look towards uh, the highlights and success mm -hmm. Well, we've I think we've had 63 contributors so far, and <coughs> whether it's through being matched on the show or actually a lot of people watch the show and get in touch with them on Twitter or through social media afterwards. I think out of the 63, we've had 43 long-term relationships, which is quite a high success rate. Um, and we've had three weddings. One wasn't filmed, but three weddings. Other proposals, we've had babies. Mm -hmm. So it really feels like it, it does work, which is, which is fantastic. And so what do you think ultimately has been the key to its success? What do you think of the, the phrase or the line that's really made the British public engage with it consistently? For me, I think it's just that 
it's just that lovely warmth, that warm, cosy feeling that you get when you're just watching people trying to find love and falling in love. I think that's it. I think it's as simple as that for me. It's just such, you look at it, I mean, that's just amazing, isn't it? That's, that's, that's why we do it, really. Um, and you can't, you couldn't write that, you couldn't, you know, there's just something about it that you st- I still watch it now and it's still, it's still it, we, we still laugh at the same bits, we still sort of have a tear about the same bits. It's, that never changes and I think that's what stays with people is watch, just watching two people either fall in love or not. And sometimes it doesn't work out, sometimes it does. That's life and I think we do reflect that. Um, it's as simple as that, I think. Eventually we seem to get there. <laughs> I think you really care, you know, from from the team to the audience. I think these people make you really care, and it's really emotive watching them on their their journey. And you're on their side, yeah, absolutely yeah. Mm. on their side. Totally. Thank you ever so much. Um, we've got about ten minutes for questions. If there's anything um, that you want to add.
pod on earth and I think the bottom line is not fair on them if you, if you don't feel it you can't really put them into that situation so for me that's the bottom line and like I say well, I'm lucky now that Channel 4 understand and Lucy understand where we're coming from so just Betty really so much easier than Series know. 1 oh, Series 1 oh, you know, yeah. <laughs> uh, any more questions? yeah what editing software do you use? I think it's Avid, does that make any sense? Yeah. So I think most television users are Avid now. Um, so yeah, the, all the time we have several suites running at the same time, and you just sort of dot around and have a finishing suite. So yeah, we all, we all most TV users add it. Yeah, sometimes, yeah. sometimes I go in and go, right, I'm taking this over. Um, but generally, each one has an edit producer and, and an editor. Okay. Avid seems to be the way forward, I think, most mm. people. Well, it's Final Cut Pro still, but yeah. Do you still have people using Final Cut Pro? I haven't worked on Final Cut Pro for a long time. Uh, yes, Claire. My question was about part of TV that we all hate so much is letting down contributors when you have to make that phone call and you yeah. say to them, I'm sorry you didn't make the cut and I love the programme so much, but it sounds like from what you were saying before, you have so many people that you've filmed with for quite a while and then you have to have that awkwardness of letting them know that they're not going to be involved and obviously you're dealing with people who might have additional insecurities or anxieties or whatever, and I was just wondering probably for you, Sophia, what is it that you, you do to handle those situations? Well, that's quite so rare, isn't it? You don't it start very... filming and then let them down. No, that's incredibly rare. But what we, what we have done, and um, who we rely very heavily on is Howie, our psychologist, who guides us. His advice is invaluable in that situation. Also, we're very open with families and supporting cast in that situation. Um, so their support network, you know, say their mum, um, who might have been involved up to a certain point, we would talk to her, you know, maybe um, then we're not going to continue for various reasons, we'd get her advice um, on, on how we proceed with that. But Howie really is, is who we'd get all of our advice from in that situation. And also we tend to, if we need to let them down, it will be the original sort of uh, casting team member that had that relationship with them so they they don't feel like suddenly they're getting a phone call from some random person they don't know telling them that they're not on the show uh, which is why our care bear is quite invaluable as well so and we'll come back to those resources um, expectation, setting expectations at the start being yes. careful how you set incredibly yeah we do that uh, from right at the beginning we do let people know that obviously it's a very long casting process so it might take months before people are let down um, but we do always uh, you know put the phone call in to let them know it's not just like an email kind of blanket situation mm -hmm. you know because you do have to have that personal touch especially with people that are a little bit more vulnerable so so I think that you're right, that was rare, that one case that we spoke of. But I think what was interesting about that case was I think everyone knew that it wasn't quite right. Mm -hmm. And I think it's always having the dialogue to talk, talk about it. So it's always just talking to people. So we talked to the mum and it was quite obvious. That eventually it played out that it was obvious that it wasn't right. And then we got, you know, Howie, the psychologist involved. Um, and then it, you know, you, you get good closure on that. Um, and like, like um, <coughs> Sophia was saying, we are meticulous about calling people back. So everybody who applies on the show gets wants to be cast. Once they're actually it's normally towards the end of the edit, isn't it? Because you never know what might happen. But they're all called by Nina, who's our care, what we call our care bear. Everybody gets a call to say they haven't been successful this series. But of course, they might be successful in another series. It's, 
But it's not like the team film with like 15 people and then only another no. nine because the no. No, no We're much very careful about who we choose. Yeah. Not after three months casting alone. No. Um, any other questions? Yes. Hi. Um, it seems that the show is very much driven by its contributors. Have you ever had the contributor that was like, looks very promising and you're like, that's, that's the one that's going to be brilliant and then turns out value work with them that actually, it, like, it's not working out. And I know that you mentioned the case of the mom where the mom wanted more than the actual contributor. But have you ever had a case where the contributor actually didn't really, like, work? Deliver. Not really. No, I, I mean, we obviously there are there are times where they might be too vulnerable and they sort of fail psych, so we can't continue with them. But once we get Sorry, to, can you explain to us what psych is? What's, uh, what so Howie's assessment. Yeah. Um, so, but about whether they're robust enough to be on television and yeah. have capacity to consent. Consent. Thank you. Uh, but um, we, it's so meticulous getting to a point where we're going to film with them. You know, there are various stages where we will know, like that initial recce filming uh, with the casting team is, is where we find out, basically. That is where we see their potential or maybe that we won't continue with them. And then Lucy is obviously an amazing judge of character. So we, we cut our recce tapes very honestly, you know. There's no point on a show like this, cutting, uh, cutting them favourably. It has to be really honest so that we never get to that point where we think, actually, they're not quite right. You know, it, the bar is very high, has been high for the entire you know, run. So, uh, no, we haven't. But only on series one, there were a couple of people that didn't make it, and that was a tunnel thing when we were trying to work, what the seri work out what the series was. Um, and what it actually was is that people who didn't have learning disabilities and autism, other conditions, who were going on dates with each other, and it felt like that wasn't what we, the message we were sending, because that was saying that people with disabilities only had to date other people with disabilities. And so actually we were like, they don't feel right for the series, so that's why we didn't proceed with them. Do you show them the cuts before they go out? Yes. And how do you, what advice do you give them about, obviously for Tom, that worked mm. out very well social media. <laughs> he got a lot of very good attention. Yeah. How do you prepare them for that? Well, so our care bear does, um, in this case Nina, does do um, go through the social media protocol with them uh, before the show airs. We also advise them to stay off social media the night of the, uh, that it airs. Um, and some of them don't listen, and it's usually positive. Most of it's positive feedback, you know, the occasional negative comment on Twitter, but, you know, usually, because of the nature of the show, we have so much positivity, and actually, like, Tom, and even sort of Donovan and Solomon from Series 7, they were just inundated with women just declaring <laughs> that undying love for them. So, um, it's usually not too much of an issue, but we do go through the protocol of what could happen, and also, uh, before we start filming, Howie also talks about the implications of social media with them before they ever start filming okay. with us. I think we've probably got time for one more question. Yes. I was just going to ask him, do you uh, like, uh, produce all the episodes of our series at the same time to save uh, time for... Uh, uh, sorry. Um, are, 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 are all the episodes uh, produced around the same time? Right, so are all the episodes of each series produced around the same time? Uh, yes. 
So basically, we just start with. So there's nine contributors in the main. So we do basically three three new contributors per <coughs> show. So that's nine contributors. We do three new, two revisits. So with the nine main contributors, we just basically shoot all of them, and then work out, then go into the edit with all the stories. And so we do what we call the story cuts with all the there's various hits that you aim to, and then you start the whole jiggling process of moving people around and working out the mix. And that happens mm. quite late, Lucy, yeah. doesn't it? We quite often swap things in. Um, and that's the fun part, actually. We go, oh, that doesn't quite feel right. It needs to be, we need another woman there, or you know, you don't need a man there. It's quite often about that sort of mix. It's, um, so yes, it, we film them all gradually, get them done as quickly as we can, because obviously, if you go into the edit with a full story, it makes the edit much easier than if you're trying to find a date for someone you don't quite know which way their story's going. Um, and then it becomes a bit of a bun fight, but actually that's the fun part, I think. <laughs> and so tonight's episode was literally, yeah, it was, it was Friday that it was delivered. And, that's, and they're, they're all on that kind of timeline, yes. aren't they? They're all still yeah. quite... Yeah, but your, your question, I think, more that do you choose whether you should include people or not, I think all the people that we film constantly surprise me in the yeah. gems that they come up with. There's always yeah. something, because that's what fascinates me most, is that you go out and you send these people out to go and film these dates, and you don't know what's going to happen. You come back, it might be a complete, complete disaster, it might not, but come what may, there's always something in there where you go, that is absolutely amazing, mm. always. So, with two more series definitely coming our way, and a Christmas special, I believe. <coughs> what more is there to come? What can you tell us? Oh, well, tonight's episode <laughs> at nine o'clock, <laughs> Ray finally finds the woman of his dreams. We found his love. It's the most <laughs> public display of affection you've ever seen on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> I even heard the word snogging. There's a lot of snogging. A lot of snogging. Amazing. Um, and then the Christmas special is kind of a lot of the, the Twitter favourites who are coming back. So Daniel is, I won't say what he's doing, but mm -hmm. Daniel, um, Shane, Ray, Richard, and Postman Sam. So they've mm -hmm. all got like Christmas treats up their sleeves. Christmas <laughs> <laughs> we look forward to it. Thank you ever so much. Thank you. So Lucy, Sophia, and Ian, thank you very much for coming. Yeah. To